Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Take your Bibles out if you would and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Gospel of Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 21. And I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing on you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Hear those words. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But, Jairus over, or, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you to open our hearts to receive. And, and Lord, give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. May we leave here today encouraged, challenged, and transformed. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Gospels have used what is called a, a sandwich approach. One commentator writes, the sandwiching technique both heightens the suspense of the narrative and then provides a crescendo which moves from, from healing to restoration to life. Now, I want to be transparent. I want to be honest. 
I really don't know how great a passage this is for Mother's Day because it is about a dead girl and a sick woman. But when you turn your attention to the fact that Jesus has not only come to bring healing and wholeness to a situation, but he has come to bring life, then suddenly you realize the Lord's got something to say. The good news today is that Jesus can take dead situations and bring life out of them. Jesus can take what appears to be a never-ending, draining, sick-filled situation and bring freedom and deliverance. And the healing will not only be for the immediate, but Christ will lead us into life. The story is, Seems to be a greater, larger story taking place here. As you read it, there seems to be a, a, a greater narrative at work. And the narrative is this. Situations that seem hopeless, like Jairus' daughter. And situations that seem unrelenting, like, like the woman with the issue of blood. When they meet he who is resurrection and life have to bow to the power of touch. They have to bow to the power of the one who is greater. And I came here today to remind you that no matter what you're facing, no matter what situation your family is in, it has to bow to the one who is greater. His name is Jesus Christ. Somebody give God praise. The narrative begins with a little girl sick and dying. Then it seems to turn and focus on the need of a woman with an issue of blood. Two separate situations met by Jesus. Jairus' daughter's situation represents a family in dire need of a miracle. Mama, I'm here to remind you there is still hope for your family. Death may mean knocking at the door of a marriage, but hear me, we serve the one who can walk into the room surrounded by death and bring life. The woman with the issue of blood represents a prolonged illness and disease that has robbed this lady of everything, but Jesus, the great restorer, was passing by. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your family has been robbed of its beauty. Maybe you feel like your family has been robbed of its best years. You may feel like your family has been robbed of its health and vitality. But Jesus is the great restorer. He is the great healer. He is here to set us free. The infirmities that had seized hold of our family. Because he's greater. Let's quickly get into the notes. Notice in your sermon notes, the first fill in the blank, and it really goes along with our title today Desperate for a Touch. Anybody here today desperate for a touch? You came here today saying, I need Jesus to touch my situation. 
I need Jesus to come by my house. I need Jesus to come by my heart. I need Jesus to touch me. Maybe you came here today, you know what? You said, I'm not going to let anything distract me. I'm not going to let anybody discourage me. I'm going to press in. I'm going to keep going until I, until I reach that, that inner sanctuary, until I touch the hem of his garment. Our passage gives us an example of two different people who are desperate for a touch from Jesus. One wanted Jesus to come and touch their situation, and the other wanted to touch Jesus for themselves. This was not unparalleled in Mark's gospel. Matter of fact, in chapter 3, verse 10, it says that he, he had healed many that day, so, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And then later in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, it says that, that they, they brought him the sick so that at least they could touch the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. So this is nothing new in Mark's gospel. It's not foreign to, 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 to his letter. It reminds us that there's a place in the spiritual realm, there's a place in our walk with God. If we, can, if we can get close enough, we can touch him. Jairus, notice who Jairus is. He's a leader of a local synagogue, meaning he's a man of good reputation. He's a man of, of, of standing in his community. But he's also a man in community. That's important. He's a man in community. He, he, he was the leader of the local synagogue. His family was involved in, in, uh, in worship. That's important. Because the two miracles, the healing of the 12-year-old girl, and then the woman with the issue of love seem to say, it doesn't matter if you are in community or out of community. Because let me tell you about the woman with the issue of blood. Because of her disease, because of that which was flowing out of her, she would be considered outside the community. If anybody knew of her sickness, if anybody knew of her disease, she was not allowed to be a part of the community if you would. So this, this, this passage is powerful because it reminds us, doesn't matter where you are in life, you can be in community or you can be on the outside looking in. Jesus is still concerned about your situation. Jesus is still of the power and the might to work in your life. You may feel disenfranchised. You may feel like nobody cares, but I'm here to tell you today, there is one whose understanding is infinite. There is one who's of the power to work and move on your behalf. Amen. He is here. Jairus said, my daughter is dying. She's at the point of death. Meaning, it's a foregone conclusion. Matthew tells us, now understand, Matthew and Luke summarize what Mark tells us in detail. And Matthew says that she's already died. Just simply reminding us the family was in a desperate need of a touch. Are there some families here today in desperate need of a touch? A touch from him who was life. A touch from him who was capable of reversing death. And then we're caught up in the story of the woman with the issue of blood, verse 24. 
Jesus went with him. Get that in your spirit. It's real simple. The New Living Translation just simply says Jesus went with him. With who? Jairus. See, sometimes you feel like you're traveling all by yourself. Sometimes you feel like, does anybody see me? Anybody notice? I'm here to remind you, Jesus went with him. Often we read that and we just read over it because it's just information, but the Holy Spirit wants us to stop just for a moment to remind us, you're not forgotten. God sees exactly where you are. Jesus went with Jairus. You may feel like you're traveling alone, but Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He sent us the advocate. He has sent us the paraclete. It's called the Holy Spirit. And you're not by yourself, but Jesus is with you today. All the people followed. It says a crowd began to come around him. That's normal. At this stage in the ministry of Christ, wherever he went, there was a large crowd. And it says that in the crowd, there was a woman who had suffered for 12 years, constant bleeding. I remind you, Mark gives us details that Matthew and Luke just simply summarize. The details of this account set the scenario of just how desperate the situation for this woman was. People crowding around that crowd represented an obstacle to her. And it says that in the crowd was a woman who was about to make her mark and receive her healing. See, sometimes before we think we can make a difference, we think we need a title or a name. Sometimes we think we need a position before we can receive a touch. Sometimes we think we need some particular advantage before we can leave our mark. But hear me, the ground is level. I said the ground is level. And what we learn from the story and the example is, it is your desire, not your position, that will get you noticed. Did you hear me? It is your desire, not your position, that's going to get you noticed by Jesus Christ. If you have title and position, quit relying upon it. If you don't have title and position, quit worrying about it. And go ahead and pursue the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Go ahead and press in until you receive a touch from him. Think about it, how many unnamed people have gone on to do great things simply because their pursuit was extraordinary. <laughs> Just because their pursuit was extraordinary. What a great lesson for us. Write this, write this next word under three. Write the word suffered for 12 years. Just think for a moment, every day had to be a battle just to find the energy to handle the simple task of living. The horrors of the woman's illness likely denied her the comfort of companionship. It certainly branded her as ritually unclean and therefore unfit for religious fellowship. And as if it were not bad enough, the Bible says in verse 26, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. 
Which brings us to our second point. When Jesus passes by. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him. Verse 28 says, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. There's three things I want you to notice here. The first is this, she heard. She heard. Now Mark gives us the detail of her her first hearing about Jesus. And when she heard that he was coming by, when she heard he was nearby, something began to stir in her spirits. Can you imagine the excitement when she heard Jesus was coming by? Can you imagine the hope from a hopeless situation that began to swell up within her because Jesus was about to pass by? See, the possibilities which began to arise within her began with her hearing about Jesus. Write this, she thought. Verse 28 says, she thought to herself. You all have an inner conversation right now. Some of you are thinking, "Hmm, what's that man talking about? Some of you are thinking about that pot roast in the oven. Some of you are thinking, you're thinking about, how can I touch him? See, that thought represents the possibilities of what can happen. That thought represents the possibilities of what could happen. That thought represents the possibilities of what might occur. It all begins with the thought. See, it's a change of thought from why to what. Some of us are stuck in the why, and we never get to the what. See, the why will cause you to be bitter. The why will cause you to be a victim. The why will cause you to question everything. It'll cause you to question the goodness of God. But if you can find somewhere in your, in your, your spirit to begin to change the thought from a why to a what, then you're positioning yourself for God to work. You're positioning yourself for God to do something. You're positioning yourself for the possibility of what might be. Oh, uh, somebody here is thinking, God's exposing the thought. You're thinking, why did I marry that man? Why did I marry that person? Why did that marry that woman? You know what I could have been if I wouldn't have married her? You want me to tell you something? That's a dangerous thought. You need to change that thought. So I wonder what God is going to do when I yield myself, when I surrender my situation. I wonder what God's going to do when I begin to become the person he's called me to be. See, you're waiting on somebody else to change when God's trying to change you. You're waiting to try to change a circumstance when God wants to work and move in your life. There's some rhema word going on right now. Listen, God's reading somebody's mail. 
You're trying to change him or her. And God says, I'm more concerned about you because if I can get you in the right place, if I can get you in the right position, then I can work in your family. I can work in your home. I can work in your life. Woo! Mm. Somebody give that man a bonus today. And somebody else is thinking, I wish that man quit reading my mail. I wish he'd quit sit down and shut up. She thought. A change of thought from why to what. Before there can be action, there has to be a thought toward action. Mark tells us, woman the crowd had suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she has spent everything. She had to pay them. She got no better. She only got worse. 12 years, constant bleeding. Spent everything she had. Left financially destitute. She had gotten no better. In fact, grew worse. Situation is bleak. Situation seems hopeless. That is till she heard Jesus was coming by and she thought. A thought can represent a ray of hope. A thought can represent a change of attitude. A thought can represent a step of faith. When a stirring begins, it's just a matter of time. That thought represents a stirring. Oh, God, you're about to do so. Oh, God, I think you're going to move. Oh, God, God, you're about to pass my way. It's just a matter of time. Write this under C. She moved. Going back to verse 27, she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Mark Batterson writes in his book titled, Wild Goose Chase. Signs often follow decisions. He says the way you overcome spiritual inertia and produce spiritual momentum is by making tough decisions. The tougher the decision, the more potential momentum it will produce. And he says the primary reason most of us don't see God moving is simply because we're not moving. If you want to see God move, then you need to make a move. And this is what the woman did. She made a move toward Jesus. Your movement has to be toward Jesus. And when this begins to happen, a shift <laughs> begins to take place. Allow me to give you a challenge today. Make a move toward Jesus. No matter your pain, no matter how long it has been, 
No matter how discouraged you may feel, no matter how many times you've been disappointed, no matter how much suffering you have experienced, make a move toward Jesus. He's the great fixer. He's the great restorer. He's the bomb of Gilead. He's the ancient of days. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the ancient of days who's here to work in your life. Move in your situation. Luke tells us in chapter 8, verse 44, coming up behind Behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Mark says in verse 29, she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Her willingness to move. Her willingness even to be exposed. Her willingness to try one more time led to one of the greatest miracles in her life, led to one of the greatest miracles recorded in the New Testament. Are there some moms who will try one more time? Are there some individuals who will risk being exposed? Are there some people who will be willing to move in order to touch Jesus? Notice she had to fight through the crowds. She had to fight through her own fears. She had to fight through her own doubts. She had to fight through her own disappointments. But when she did, she touched the hem of his garment. Then Jesus realized at once healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Verse 31 tells us the disciples thought it was Ludicrous. What do you mean? Look at this crowd pressing in on you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking to see who had done it. Woman frightened, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Notice the first thing he said was daughter. She'd been outside community. To be honest with you, in the custom and culture of that day, she could not even enjoy being around her immediate family. (laughs) But Jesus uses that family term, daughter, you're mine. You belong to me. There's something about those daughters. I mean, sons, they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I love my two sons. They're, they're, listen, but that baby girl, mm, that daughter, Jesus looked at her with all tenderness and he said, daughter. Some of us need to hear that today. You're his daughter. Your suffering is over. I prophetically declare to you, your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. 
Move, move toward Jesus. Your suffering is over. Press through the doubt, press through the fears. Your suffering is over. Brings us to our final point. Write this, when it seems too late. (laughs) You thought it was too late to finish this message, I know. (laughs) Write this word under A. We don't like it. Write the word delay. Nobody likes delay. Sometimes when things are delayed, we feel ignored. Sometimes when things are delayed, we feel forgotten. Sometimes when things are delayed, we feel like, who's getting my blessing? Sometimes we feel like when things are delayed, it's like, does he understand what's going on? Immediately, as Jesus finished speaking to this woman, it says that some people from Jairus' home came, the sad news, and they said, listen, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. There's no use for him to come. There's no reason for him to come to your house. There's no reason for him to come back with you. There's no reason for you to believe. Give up hope. Quit. Stop. Leave the teacher alone. Jairus, come back home. Begin the morning because your daughter is dead. Write this under C. One, notice Jesus' response. Jesus overheard them and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Write this word, ignored. It says that Jesus overheard them. And that Greek word is so powerful. It means to refuse to listen. It means you will not accept what you just heard. It means to pay no attention to something that you just heard. It's not that Jesus was denying the fact that she was, it wasn't that Jesus says the circumstances aren't there, but Jesus was doing something powerful for Jairus. He was was showing Jairus by example, you walk not by sight, but you walk by faith. That the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you got to ignore what the doctors are telling you. Sometimes you got to ignore what the, the people around you are trying to identify. You know it's dead and it seems to be hopeless, but you know your God is bigger. You know your God is greater. You know that your God can make a way. Is there anybody here today that believes? You the last fill in the blank is this. You gotta, you gotta put out the naysayers. You're always gonna have people around you gonna say, how come you keep trying? How come you keep working so hard? And there's no results. Listen, don't you know it's already dead? Don't you know love left that, left that situation years ago? Don't you know? Just, just come on and mourn with us. Now, when Jesus arrives at the home, it tells us, it tells us that they were weeping and crying and mourning. You know what surprises me when I read this? 
As soon as Jesus said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, notice how quick these mourners turn to laughter in disbelief. Let me explain that to you. In Judaic culture, it was customary to hire professional mourners. The weeping and wailing was a process that they went through and they felt like the more you weeped and wailed, then it represented the deeper love you had for the situation. So the reason they could on a dime turn from wailing and weeping to laughter and disbelief is because they were professional mourners. It was their job to mourn, but Jesus put them out. Some people think it's their job to always keep you mediocre. Some people think it's their job to always tell you why it won't work, why you're not good enough, why you're not gonna get that promotion, why you can't rise to the top because, because only cream rises and, and you ain't cream. See, there's always people, the enemy has hired professional mourners to always be around you to keep you down, but you gotta put them out. You got to shut them up and you got to declare that Jesus is for me. When Jesus walked into the room, notice who he took. Mark tells us three disciples and the mom and dad. If anybody can keep believing when others stop believing, it's your mama, it's your daddy. Mama, how many times have you held on to belief when everybody around you told you, give up, they're no good. They're not gonna do it. Oh, just put your energy somewhere else. If anybody's gonna keep believing, it's your mama and your daddy. He brought Peter, James, and John, Matthew and Luke tell us. And they put everybody else, they shut the door. Hear me, death filled the house until Jesus walked in. Woo-hoo. Death filled that little 12 year old body. Her body was cold. Her body began to become stiff because she had been dead for a while. The delay seemed like a missed opportunity, but the delay was simply a positioning for something greater to happen. Don't allow the delay to keep you discouraged. Don't allow the delay to cause you to stop and quit. But Bishop, go ahead.